The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. I am your host, and thank you for taking the time each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the Sport of Kings. Thursday after Breeders' Cup, nope, racing has not ceased, but man, was there some action to be seen. Incredible weekend, two days. Gotta love it. Actually, I was out there last year. Some of the folks from Winning Ponies were out there this year. Hopefully, they tore them down because the sheets were actually doing pretty well. Exotic wager update. I think I need to keep you updated on this each and every week because it just keeps growing. Exotic update, $10.5 million and continues to grow. Hopefully this past weekend, Breeders' Cup weekend, was very special for you. wasn't too bad for me. I'm pretty, pretty proud of some of the plays I made. Uh, looking back, I think I could have done a little better, but I think that's the horse player in all of us. I, I think you can always second-guess yourself and you want to do better, and you know, that's what you know, we, we aspire to do better and not make the same mistakes because how can you do the same things Always do what you do and expect to get something different. Now, that is irrational thinking. But the horse player, they're always looking to better themselves, and, and I stand in that line as well. And if you are not on board, it's never too late to get on board. All you need to dial up is www.winningponies.com. Check it out. Exotic update for you. As I said, last weekend was an incredible weekend of action from a wagering point. It offered value. And from a fan's perspective, how could you have asked for anything more? Breeders' Cup is in the books, and the best part of racing is the next round of action is just one day away. That's the beauty of horse racing. Here's a little bit of what's going to be happening for tonight. We're going to recap the Breeders' Cup action. We're going to be talking some biggins. We're going to be talking a couple testimonials here. Our special guest of the week is news editor of the Blood Horse magazine and avid handicapper, Mr. Tom Lamara, good guy, engaging. He knows his ponies. He likes to play. And then final furlong handicapping with yours truly as we try to throw down some winners in the final segment. That's what we're doing tonight. And to kick it off and let's get us started. I kind of like this here. Testimonials. Now, if you send in a testimonial, you send in winning ponies a testimony. Let them know how you're doing with the service. You're going to get a T-shirt. You're probably going to cap thrown in as well. Take a look at Michael S. from Brighton, Massachusetts, Monday, November 2nd. First race with the service, Suffolk, my home track, he says. He said Suffolk is his home track. Now, I don't know if he's, betting, uh, if he's betting simulcast action there, but he threw down on one suggestion, a Superfecta box. Just threw up a little, little dollar Superfecta box, small wager, 
Crank down 93 clamps. Great job. Michael S., Brighton, Massachusetts. Congratulations. I think he's going to be on board. And then I read one from a gentleman, MLK, from Port Alberini, British Columbia. Actually, I like the way this guy thinks. I'm telling you what, he's taking 5-1 to one or lower. He's betting win and play, 6-1, to 10-1, win, place, and show. He's got a method to his madness, but long story short, he finds that SoCal tracks work the best, and he concentrates the bulk of his wagering on him, and he believes the consistency of the synthetic surface and the upkeep of the turf courses. I agree there. And he's averaging 65% return on his investments since going with the service, and and he said he would gladly recommend anyone who asks. And he says, keep up the good work, guys. You have a happy subscriber here. Good racing and good luck. Now, that is a lot of fun to hear. That is a whole lot of fun to hear. Talking about a little bit of fun here, I'm going to rattle off just a few of the biggins to let you know that there are some monster-sized whales out there that could be had. Beulah Park, November 6th, race number 2, a Super Effective Key, 29,804 Pretty good shooting. Churchill Downs, November 11th, race 10, a super effect of 15,460 even. Hawthorne, November 12th, race number 7, a super effect of just 7,726.20. Turf Paradise, November 8th, race number 6, a super effect of key, 7,205.60. Those are only a few to make mention of, of the biggins. The biggins are always there. And, and, if, and in fact, I, I ask that you just go and take a look at the site. Just take a look. And see what you see if you feel it is for you. It can go from the novice player, the first-time player, to the hardcore handicapper. It's got something. As you heard the the two gentlemen that actually sent in a testimonial, you can hear one that actually he threw down a little dollar wager. You know, not just one dollar, but he bet a superfecta, probably a, probably a small part wheel. You know, he cashed in for ninety-three bucks. Great, but the other gentleman had actually broke it down to how much he was actually making on his. Investments, and that's great money management. He was really on top of his game. So I like to hear a little bit of everything. And I know Winning Ponies does too. And all you got to do is just drop them a little testimonial. Trust you me, they'll send you out some cool wear. All right, we're going to recap last week. It was Oak Tree at Santa Anita. It was Breeders' Cup 26. We're going to start with Friday, and it is going to be race number three, the Breeders' Cup Marathon. $500,000. Winner is number nine, man, of iron Johnny Murtaugh in the irons. Winning by a dirty nose, angled out hard in the dry paint, 1480 for Aiden. Oh, Brian, wow, was this a nice race. Man of iron and cloudy's night with Rosemary Homeister. They were coming ding-donging down the line, and I thought our girl Rosemary Homeister was going to get it. She was actually a guest on the show, and that's probably been about, oh, three months ago. And I, I get an occasional email from her. Rosemary is just as sweet as they come. I thought she was going to get it. I was really rooting for her. But Johnny Murtaugh got her by the dirty nose. And Man of Iron goes to the winner's circle in the marathon. Race number four on Friday, last Friday at Santa Anita. Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf. $1 million guarantee. Winner, number 10, Tappets Fly, Robbie Alvarado. Between the ears wins by a half a length. Stock bid, led gamely paying twenty one sixty four. Dale Romans, the king of Churchill. Trust you me, when I say this, I do not mean this in jest. This guy will tear Churchill inside out. Dale Romans for Frank Jones. Tappets Fly wins. And then the fifth race at Santa Anita on Friday was the Grey Goose Breeders' Cup. I'll say that five times real fast. 
grade one event, $2 million up for grabs. Now listen to this. Number eight, She Be Wild, after coming from Keeneland with Julian Lepreux, wins by three-quarters of a length, got through on the rail, paid 1680 for Wayne Catalano, the king of Chicago. 1680. Now I want you to pay attention. Julian Le Peru wins on She Be Wild. Then in race number six, the Emirates Airline Breeders Cup Philly and Mare Turf, a grade one, two million dollars up for grabs. Winner number six coming from Longchamp is midday with Thomas Queeley aboard, winning by a length, a solid length at that. Made a, a bid right along the rail and cleared and held off the other action, paying 660 to win for Henry Cecil and Judmont Farms. What a nice ride that was. I'll tell you what, I mean, he was all over. Forever Together uh, actually ran third by a neck and, uh, you know, was, was really trying to come on, but, but it was all going to be midday all the way to the winner's circle. Then in race number seven on Friday, the Senate Jet Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint Grade 1, $1 million. Number seven is the winner. That's informed decision. Julian Lepreux winning by a length and a quarter. Digs in and prevails, paying $8.80 to win for Jonathan Shepard for Augustine Sables. Now, that's two for Julian Lepreux. Now, think about this. This guy came in. He's on fire. Now, that's pretty good shooting there on day one of the Breeders' Cup. And then it's race number eight. It is the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic Grade 1, a mile and an eighth on the all-weather $2 million up for grabs. Winner is number two, Life is Sweet, Garrett Gomez. Squeezed at the start, five wide, paying eighteen twenty to win for John Sheriffs, which is a name that you're going to be hearing again, and I think we know where that's going to be, which leads us right into Saturday. We got the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, a grade two event, a million dollars up for grabs. Winner of race number two is pounced. Frankie Dettori in the flying dismount we got to see as he wins by three-quarters of a length. Firm hold on the rail, and that is saying it nicely. Frankie was just got down on his belly and really made it happen there, paying 660 for John Gosden. Pounced just ran a beautiful, beautiful race. You can always go back and pick these up, and, and, and I, would, I would say so, especially for the future and next year, especially for those that are actually going to be coming back. Race number three on Saturday was the Breeders' Cup Sprint, a million up for grabs. The winner, number three, California flag, young JoJo Talamo in the irons, winning by a length and three-quarter. Inside held on gamely, 880 to win for Brian Corner. Very nice run there. The Sprint, in my opinion, is one of the toughest the fourth race, the Breeders' Cup Sprint, a grade one, Dancing and Silks, $2 million up for grabs. Dancing and Silks, Joel Rosario in the arms, wins by a nose, three wide in a blanket finish, paying fifty-two sixty to win for Carla Gaines. She actually tried to talk Ken Kinnikin out of putting up the money to actually run in this race. So he had to be supplemented in. Beautiful payday. What a way. And you know what? We back up our opinions with money in this game. Dancing in Silks dances to the winner circle. Race number five is the Gray Goose Breeders' Cup of Juvenile, grade one, $2 million up for grabs. Winner is number seven, Vale of York. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this gentleman's name, but I'm going to tell you he was a one-time camel jockey. One-time camel rider. Wins by a head, steadied early up late, and he did Daggone well in the Dubai World Cup Carnival, paying 63.20 to win. Vale of York did for Saeed Bin Suor. And, I mean, that was a powerful ride. I'm going to say Ajatebi Ahmed. 
That will be my best guess. Maybe Tom Lamar can actually pull it out. And I got a dollar that says he probably can. Race number six, the TVG Breeders' Cup Mile, a grade one event. Two million clams up for grabs. Number 11, Goldakova with Olivier Pesley. Going to the winner's circle by a half a length, four wide into the lane. I did have to say I made a real nice bet on Goldakova, but who in the heck didn't? For Freddie Head, the first trainer to ride and train one. He rode Miesk, and he now has Goldakova. And then on to the Breeders' Cup Mile, winner number two furthest land, Julian Lay Peru wins by three-quarters of a length and pays a whopping 44-60 to win for Mike Maker, Ken and Sarah Ramsey. Always glad to see them winning. Race number eight, it's going to be the Emirates Airline Breeders' Cup, a grade one, a mile and a half on the turf. The winner, number two, Conduit, Ryan Moore, ships over and rides this Irish bread. Bumped at the 316, very game, paying 380 to win. Three dollars to place. Wow, for Michael Stout, Sir Michael Stout. That's great. And I'm going to save the last one. We come back from break. Well, it is time to add to our first break. When we return, we are going to be having our special guest of the week on one, Mr. Tom Lamar from the Blood Horse. We're also going to be talking about race number nine, the Breeders' Cup Classic. But you're only going to hear it if you stay tuned for more Winning Pony. And it thrills like the horns on my Silverado grill. And I buy the bar double round the crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports
tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and this is the second segment, and this is where Winning Ponies is honored to have on our special guest of the week. This week is no different, as we are pleased and honored to have on the news editor and avid handicapper, and he is from the Blood Horse Magazine, Mr. Tom Lamar. Tommy, good evening. Hey, Ed. How's it going? How are you? Thank you. Thanks for taking time from your schedule. No problem at all. You know, before we get into anything, I saved it. I was kind of recapping last week's last week's results, especially the Breeders' Cup, and I saved the Classic, and I just wanted to maybe jump into question two or three, but we'll jump into it right now. I'll give mm-hmm. us a quick, uh, the quick uh, analysis real quick, and then we want to hear what you have to say about this great race. The Breeders' Cup Classic, a grade one, a mile and a quarter in the all-weather track, $5 million guaranteed up for grabs. If you were locked up or in a closet or if you just forgot to watch Zenyatta, Goes now 14 for 14 with Mike Smith, a strong finish up late. Any feelings there, Mr. Lamar? Well, uh, quite a race, quite frankly. Um, Not a race that I played. Uh, I played, you know, a few small bets. Um, I had a feeling she would win. (laughs) Uh, I didn't bet her, but uh, was really, really glad that she did because – it was just a fantastic race, and, you know, I had the privilege of actually watching it live, and the, the crowd was blown away by it. It was a really, really good moment for racing. Um, you know, and she proved that she really is that good. Um, as you know, I'm not a speed figure guy. <laughs> uh, I looked at it as, you know, when a horse wins 13 in a row with that running style, and she's always overcome the pace no matter what it is, I figured, well, she's got to be a good horse. And... Uh, Sure enough, she proved it. And, in fact, she did, Tom. And, you know, the way she actually won the race is actually the way she beat the gals all just about every other time. There was a couple times where she made people sweat, the bridge jumpers sweat, where she kind of got a little lazy down the lane, and Mike Smith mm-hmm. uh, had to urge a little bit. But she swept out wide and just and just cruised right around them. And it, it was an incredible – it must have been incredible to be on hand. I mean, it was great watching it, you know, at home, big screen, but – I had to say, there were probably would have been nothing to be there in person. Yeah, um, you know, uh, it was probably the best classic that I've seen. Uh, I think the most exciting one prior to that was the uh, Awesome Again race at Churchill Downs. I forget what year it was. It was a great finish. But this one, for me anyway, was far and away the best. And, um, you know, I don't really like California, but I'm glad that I was there to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, great weather. Uh, <laughs> one of the greatest races that probably both of us have seen. It probably ranks in the top ten in, in our lifetimes of races uh, all around the globe. But if you were once again not paying attention, Zenyatta Mike Smith gets up and pays seven sixty five sixty three eighty. Second was Giaponte with Ramon Dominguez, the man that lit up New York, and he he is now in my heart one of the best money riders out there. Made a rail trip, ran second. Second pay in nine twenty six 
60. Third was the five, twice over, $7 a show with Thomas Queeley, who did quite a bit of action in his two days out there. But, Tom, I'll tell you what, I don't think you could have asked for anything better. And as far as, uh, you know, the, the, sentimental, uh, the sentimental favor for the day, or not favorite, but play of the day must have been Zenyatta. Yeah, um, I would say so. Um, the Friday play of the day, in retrospect, and, you know, I had a really good Friday, <clears throat> a fair Saturday, but looking back, uh, Life is Sweet was a bet in the ladies' classic, and um, I just didn't go there, and I was kicking myself afterwards. Um, you know, she'd run against Senyata. She had a couple mediocre races her last couple starts, but um, like I said, in retrospect, I think that, that Life is Sweet was probably the play on Friday, and I missed it. So, <laughs> You know, the, the thing that really kicks me in, in the rump is our good friend John Engelhart lays it upon me. Uh, he's, uh, he's working down at Keeneland, and actually, you know, a, a friend uh, of his actually uh, asked Julian Leipru, said, who's the best horse for the Breeders' Cup? Just making just a you know, little banter talk, and he said, my best horse is informed decision. Yeah, well, I did play her. Um, I liked her a lot. Um, uh, much more than Ventura, um, especially in that spot. And I really do think she is probably the best female sprinter in the country. I think she proved that. Hope she comes back next year because she really is just a, um, you know, a really fine race mare. It was, it was a great two days of action, and, you know, I, I guess I've kind of got mixed feelings on two days. I, now I've got to do a little bit more money management to, to kind of make the bankroll stretch a bit, and, uh, yeah. and, and it, that is, that's a little bit more of a challenge. And, and I wonder, in your opinion, do you think they're going to stick with a two-day format, or do you think they'll probably encapsulate it into one again? Well, I think they're, they're planning to have two next year at Churchill Downs. I think they're committed to it, but I'm not so sure that we'll have the same races or the same number of races next year. Um, I think we'll know more, say, like, uh, I, I don't know, the first quarter of next year or the spring. But I do think it'll be two days next year. After that, I really don't know. You know? Um, I'm going to be up for grabs. Know, and You know, I, I was well, asking a few people and kind of, you know, uh, taking a little bit uh -huh. of a hole there. What do you think? Do you think maybe they'll just take the two or three biggest races and make it a mega card on one day, or do you think the two-day format? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of mixed. I, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, you know, I think the attendance on Friday this year was like 37,000, mm -hmm. uh, which is a good crowd. It, yeah. it was up about 6,000. Now, you know, Churchill Downs traditionally draws the largest crowds for the Breeders' Cup. You know, um, maybe they want to see, you know, what kind of a crowd Churchill could draw on a Friday. You know, um, you know, you get 33000 for a Friday night card in the spring. You know, you've you got to think that the Breeders' Cup would, you know, would draw blow the doors out. a lot more. So I think they may want to see what, what, how, how the two-day works at Churchill before they make changes. But, again, that's strictly speculation on my part. Well, the acid test is forthcoming. We'll we'll find that out. We're both in Louisville and next year. Tom, I have another, to ask you the $10 another question quick note before too, we put the Breeders' know, Cup uh, to bed here. Zenyatta, Rachel, which way do you lean? Well, I would lean towards Zenyatta, but um, I dropped out of the turf riders this year, so I'm not voting, but I would <laughs> lean towards Zenyatta. You know, I, I, Zenyatta was, was the now for me, but the overall year I kept leaning towards Rachel. 
Mm-hmm. And, sure. and, and I was so impressed so early on and, you know, so many of the wonderful things that she actually did. And, I mean, Zen, I, I mean there's nothing you can take away from Zenyatta. Rachel won eight, eight uh, grade ones in 2009, Zenyatta five, uh, or excuse me, eight races in 2009, Zenyatta five. She, uh, Rachel won five grade ones, Zenyatta four. Rachel beat the males three times, Zenyatta beat them once. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know it's difficult to put it in just into, you know, Three lines, but in, in, as far as you know, my heart, it's just not what happened. You know, just last weekend. I mean, I have a long memory, and and they are both spectacular animals. Probably two of the best gals that I've that I've ever seen. And boy, to have them in one year is incredible. But I'm still leaning just a hair with mm-hmm. Rachel. Okay, well, you know, um, I think the winner of the Breeders' Cup Classic usually, um, you know, sways voters, and in this particular case. It would probably have even more sway because of who won it, how she won it. Um, uh, you know, two months ago I would have said no shot. Uh, this evening I would say she has a good shot. So, You know what? That is a point well taken. It is a race that, that carries a lot of weight in the determination of mm-hmm. actually who gets the, the big honors. But, you know, thank you for your insight and perspective on that. I'm going to switch up gears here, Tom, and uh, – you know, kind of go to something that's not as much fun to talk about. It, and, uh, but, but as, as horse players and, and fans of the game and of the sport and our listeners out there, the industry overall is reducing dates. Is this a sign of the times, in your opinion, the economic times, or do you think we will see a growth regeneration in the future? Well, I think, you know, the, um, the reduction in racing dates is probably necessary at this point. Um, I think the tracks that have cut back um, have experienced, you know, some growth. I think with a with a smaller foal crop, um, it's almost inevitable that um, you know either run less dates or you just don't race at all. And I think fewer dates can be good. Um, I'm not talking about you know running 20 rather than 100, but I think you know like running. 60 instead of 100 is probably a good way to go at this particular point. And even with slots, it might be good to keep that schedule because, you know, you just run for more money, just fewer opportunities, and that's not a bad thing. I agree to that. It's almost of the less is more. You can reallocate those purses uh, that that would have been, you know, you know, stretched out, and, and especially if you run that longer meet that, that I've seen, that the two tracks that I've actually worked at, you tend to struggle finding the horse plus to fill races at times, mm-hmm. whereas you could, if you had, we'll just say, a 100-day meet, and you did break it down to 60 or 65 days, you take the same amount of the purse structure, and you, you're, you're rewarding with, with bigger size purses for the people that are actually there in race. Yeah, you know, the main issue is the horsemen. And, you know, it's perfectly understandable that horsemen don't want to surrender dates because they don't think that they'll ever get them back. And I can understand that because it's happened before, you know. um, And when you have slots and it's in the legislation that you've got to run, say, 130 days a year or whatever, uh, it kind of gets locked in. Personally, I think it's counterproductive. I think that you can have that protection in the legislation, but you've got to work with the racetrack. I think we all know that if River Downs ran a 50-day meet in the summer, that you could have a lot of fun with that and probably have larger crowds and higher hands. I think that that's, that that's a pretty obvious thing. 
I think but, that uh, <laughs> racing in, you know, if, I, hopefully the continuation in Ohio will end up going that way uh, regardless, so just for right now. But that, that leads me right into the next question I was going to bring up to you. On Election Day, Ohio became the 39th state to adopt a casino gaming, and now there's going to be possibly four land-based, or there will be four land-based casinos throughout the state of Ohio, Toledo, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, to be built and running right around 2012 to be up and going. Where do you see racing heading, if anywhere, now? Well, I think racing will end up fine, and the reason is this, because I think that the tracks will have slot machines by next year. Now, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I just have a sneaking suspicion that it's going to happen. The casino referendum, um, if I was an Ohio taxpayer, which I'm not, uh, I would have voted no because I think that the language was horrendous. I think it's a horrible plan. But I'm, but I'm not against casinos. But on the flip side, I was talking with a person in the racing industry up there who said this is probably a good thing. And, and I thought the same thing because now the Ohio voters have said we're okay with casinos. Well, that gives Strickland and the legislators, you know, a lot more leeway now because the Ohio voters said that we approved casinos. <laughs> you, so, you, you basically I opened think, the floodgates and given well, a little more teeth. I now. think so. I think so. Now, um, you know, and plus the state gets no tax money whatsoever from these casinos, which, by the way, may not be built in all those four cities. It is not in that language. Mm. They do not have to build a casino in every city. <laughs> okay. I, th- you know what? I often thought in the back of my head somewhere that, and, you know, it, I, I may be on the moon with this one, that they could just be locking it up that no one else actually could build. If they say they chose Cincinnati, they didn't, they, uh, they neglected to actually build one there, and they, they mm-hmm. strung it out that no one else was going to build. Well, if you owned a casino in Lawrenceburg that was making, I don't know, hand over know, fist? Quite a bit of money. Would you want a casino in Cincinnati? Maybe not. No. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but the language in that referendum does not say that those casinos have to be built, nor does it say when, they can be, when they'll be built. Yeah, that's the really irony. When, when they actually were talking about having VLTs at tracks, we had times of when money was due, when construction was to begin, a, a yeah. date of opening. Mm-hmm. But with the, with the other casinos now that they actually approved, there's nothing, to my knowledge, that says there's a pressing date of this or that. There isn't. So, uh, quite frankly, the first one may not open up for, who knows, for three years. I don't know. Um, the racetracks could have slots, uh, who knows, next August, depending on how quickly they move on it. And, and uh, look, I think it's going to happen. I don't know when or how because, quite frankly, Ohio has been so convoluted this year, I'm confused. I have no idea what's going on. But my but gut right, is right that, that something's going to happen. What's going on at Beulah Park right now? They've, they've added games. Would you consider them slots? Uh, you know, I read that story, and I need to probably write a story about it. No, I wouldn't call them slots, but it sounds to me like, like the games use the Internet, and as far as I know, um, that the only legal form of wagering online is on horse racing, so they may be in violation of federal law. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, it's just a bizarre thing. They just um, kind of appear more bizarre in... than the Tic Tac fruit machines, quite frankly. <laughs> it was, well, that was round. I believe that was round one, where you know yeah. uh, people really didn't know what to make of them, and and they were actually there was a few machines at River Downs. And they, yes. they would actually come there, and they, they would look at them, and they, they'd kind of come up to them. And it, it looked like a slot machine. It smelled like a slot machine, but it actually wasn't one. But it was a little something different. You know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that I think I would take the, the higher road and just wait, and let's see if we can actually go full scale. And, and not, not to aggravate any of the powers that be mm-hmm. or, or to, uh, to confuse the people that actually they're there. But right now, yeah. it's a, you know, it was right out of the Columbus Dispatch. It was Buell Park Ads Games. Are they slots? So, I mean, to me, you know, I, I've been keeping up on it, and, and a whole lot of people have been giving me a, a jingle on the phone, and, you know, I really don't know which way to go with this one. Well, I wouldn't call them slots, but, you know, clearly they're – look, <laughs> maybe the Attorney General's got to weigh in on this. I don't know. But it's just, you know, it's a strange turn of events. But you know what? It's Ohio. Well, you know? Got, well, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to flip the coin on you here, big boy. And I'm going to say Senator Damon Thayer of Kentucky is drafting up a plan for the state of Kentucky. Is this a Band-Aid for the dam, or do you think this is going to be what racing needs to prosper? What, slot machines? In his, his drafted plan, or what he's oh. actually trying to draft up for the state of Kentucky. Well, he favors having a referendum on it. Yes. Now, a lot of people would argue that a referendum is not necessary. So that's kind of where they're clashing right now. But the way it looks right now is that, you know, is he will introduce that bill, but somebody else will introduce a statutory bill that would just call for a legislative vote. So... I think there may be two plans floating around. Yes, it could confuse the issue, which is what the the pro slots group, you know, has said that you know that he's trying to muddy waters. <clears throat> could be, but I will say this: he's always said that 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 he would want it done through a constitutional amendment. So this is nothing new coming from him. Mm-hmm. The complaint is that when the racing industry tried to get <clears throat> the referendum three four years ago that nobody supported it. Yeah. And now that they're trying to get the legislative vote, some people want the constitutional amendment, and then it's too late for it. It's, it's very, very, um, uh, I don't know what the word is right now, but um, uh, there's a lot of unhappiness in Kentucky, uh, a lot of politics, uh, and uh, it could get a lot uglier before this is resolved. But... I think, ultimately, I think uh, the tracks will have machines at some point soon. Well, you know what? I actually hope so for the industry's sake. And it, it actually it, it seemed like a lot of political maneuvering to me. You know, David Williams, the, uh, the Senate president in Kentucky, uh, you know, I was reading just in the Pollock report this week, it said, not all is well in the kingdom of David Williams. You know, <laughs> and, and it was just kind of, and I kind of read upon it, and, you know, and, and I had mixed feelings that, I do like that they're at least attempting to get the ball rolling, whether or not it's a political maneuver. You know, I, I've got mixed feelings on that. But it, see, it seems to me that it's not going to be as lucrative for the racetracks to actually hold these. Well, um, well it depends on what the legislative splits are. Uh-huh. You know, in the, in the referendum bill, the tracks would get 25%. 
In the statutory bill, I think it's closer to 45, and I would expect it to be at least 40 percent, you know, however it shakes out. I think, um, I think that they would be happy with 40 percent. Well, it costs a lot of money to build these places, and, yes. you know, yes, you could argue that uh, it's a racetrack money grab. Personally, I would just let the state have more money up front, uh, work out, you know, a good percentage, don't be greedy, tell the public, you know, that you want to support racing in the state, and proceed from there. But, you know, I don't write legislation. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should be, because it sounds to me as though you, you have your finger more on the pulse than, than many that are, that are actually holding, holding a seat in office. Tom, if I may ask you just one more question, I've held you, and, and uh, especially it's your time now. You're probably wanting to watch pro football or anything on TV or just put your feet up and have a cold one. For the many that love the, the sport of racing, what can they expect for the next few years to come? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I think for the most part, the racetracks will stay in business. Um, Nationally, I wouldn't expect a whole lot to happen. Why I say that is this, you know, like Zenyatta winning the Classic <clears throat> is great for racing, but let's face it, it, it only moves the needle a little bit. You know, um, I'm firmly convinced that racing is local, that the progress needs to be made locally, that the tracks need to market and promote locally, and from there it can build. So I think as long as racetracks try, I think racing will be fine. Um, it'll be, you know, probably condensed, probably less racing, but I think the product itself can survive. I think handle can grow, but racing needs to make changes from within in order for that to happen. I respect your opinion, sir, and thank you for your insights into that. That was very well thought and well spoken. Tom, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking your time to join us on this evening and lend us your insights into racing and everything political and all things horse racing. And, and thank you, and the best of luck to you and yours, my friend. All right. Thanks, Ed. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Tom. Have a great night. That's been Tom Lamar from the Blood Horse. He's been giving us his insights into what is happening in the racing. Trust you me, pay attention to what Mr. Tommy Nine Fingers Lamar has to say. Time to head to another break. When we return, we're going to be talking about the news from around the world in racing here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows, 
featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on, it will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news, Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck, a no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer. Hope you joined in and heard Mr. Tommy Lamar, news editor of the Blood Horse. Some very insightful thoughts into racing. The Breeders' Cup, Horse of the Year honors, the gals in racing, political. Wow. Tom is a man in racing. Quite a handicapper, too. He enjoys the game. He told you he was just doing some spot playing. He just He's just not a degenerate. He just bets everything and does it all. He spot plays and methodically makes his moves like having Tom around. Good guy. Let me talk about some of the news in the world of racing, some of the things I picked up this week and read. Hopefully you did as well. In the Daily Racing Forum, Jay Hovde, Endgame. He has a big, beautiful picture of Zenyatta last say. It says, on her way to the office. A half century ago, the exploits of older horses were held in higher regard than they are today. They were glamour division. Today, the emphasis has flipped, and the reputation of Rachel Alexander is derived not only from her outsized ability, but also from the opportunities she had to display on those abilities on a widely exposed stage. And then he goes on to say, that's why last Saturday was so satisfying for those of us who followed Zenyatta's career at a close range. Finally, a sizable audience got to discover what the big deal was all about. No assurances could have prepared the media or fans for what she did, even though it was perfect sync for what she accomplished so many times before. Of the 28 handicappers reporters polled by USA Today, five picked Zenyatta. Of the 29 daily racing form handicappers reporters and editors required to make a classic selection, five picked Zenyatta. He said he has us two cats and two dogs. Only the Chihuahua picked Zenyatta. I read. I love updated stuff. They are a lot of fun. That was all about Rachel Alexandra. Also, ESPN Horse of the Year. They say it's still Rachel. And when I brought up to Tommy Lamara, Rachel Alexander won eight races in 2009, Zenyatta five. 
Rachel won five grade ones, then Yada four. Rachel beat the male three times, then Yada beat the males once. Tom brought up a really good point. And many, many fans are going to argue that their horse that wins the race, especially the Classic, which is supposed to decide year-end honors, they're not wrong. Winning the Classic is a huge deal, and the Classic win outweighs any single victory turned in by Rachel this year. Yet, does one Classic win mean more than a combined wins in the Preakness, Haskell, and Woodward? No. Rachel Alexander's clamp camp has another major argument in his favor. Perhaps no other horse has ever been beaten by a more accomplished collection of runners in one year. She defeated winners of the Derby, Belmont, Travers, Gold Cup, Whitney, Stephen Foster, Test, Acorn, and that's not even a complete list. Rachel, in my heart, is a hair above Zenyatta, just a hair. But they are just two spectacular animals, and we were lucky to see it. Here's a little something I picked up. It's called Talking Horses. Investment pays off for the long shot in the sprint. Ken Kinnikin wanted to play in the $2 million sprint. He was going to have to pay. He forked over $100,000 to get his 23-to-1 shot long shot into the race. He said he just believed in the horse. Hence, Dancing in Silks reaffirmed that belief and won in a four-horse blanket photo written by first-time Breeders' Cup winning rider Joe L. Rosario. No stranger to the winner's circle in California whatsoever. Congratulations. Real nice move, Ken. You backed up your words. There was one Breeders' Cup pick six worth $1.8 million. Zenyatta's popular win in the Saturday's Breeders' Cup Classic capped a $2 pick six, $1,838,305 to one ticket holder. Pretty sweet. Going to take a shot at this from the golf news. Ahmad Ajatebi, a camel jockey who won the Breeders' Cup, 27-year-old formal camel jockey who took the world by storm in March by winning two races on Dubai World Cup was at the peak of his game and wins. Oh, my goodness. I still can't believe this. Vale of York bags it down, takes it down. Vale of York, next up, Kentucky Derby. Very possible. Former camel jockey. Boy, did he really look good in the saddle. He was really energetic. Now we're losing one of our, no, we're not really losing him, but we're not going to lose, we're losing him as far as being out there on the track. Larry Jones has his final race as a trainer in the 167,000 Chaluki Stakes at Churchill Downs on Saturday. He had Peyton Dioro, who finished fifth for Larry Jones. He says, it was different watching his final race. It's a milestone. I don't know what the future holds, but it'll all be good. You know, we're ready for the next journey, whatever it may be. Larry Jones is turning over his stable to his wife, Cindy. Good luck, Cindy. Jockey Aaron Grider is going to ride in Hong Kong. Yep, he's booting up, and he's, he rode well-armed and to victory in the $6 million Dubai World Cup, so he's not hurting for cash. But he hasn't been on the top of his game in SoCal, so the 39-year-old jockey who's ridden over 3,200 winners is heading to Hong Kong. Good luck. Star, one of the stars of jockeys. So that's what's happening in news. From there, we are going to take off. We're going to do some speed handicapping for the final furlong. Get your pens ready, and let's go to Calder on Saturday, race number four, Florida Million Day. And race number four, a mile and a 16th, a mile and a 16th on the turf, and it is a beautiful Florida bread race. I love the two. Winsaki, four to one, Julian Le Peru. I'm going to say this name quite a bit because I'm going to say Julian Le Peru is going to ride a huge day. Actually, this two-year-old filly by Trippy is just 
fitting perfectly. He's riding for Marty Wolfson, who's an incredible turf trainer. Actually, he's winning 30%, and I like Le Peru and, and Marty Wolfson teaming up together. I'm really excited about Le Peru at Calder on Saturday. In the fourth race, the two win Saki. Then on the race number five, seven furlongs, the Jack Price Juvenile, $150,000. Once again, this is all Florida breads. And in today, in Saturday's fifth race, I like the four. That is Mr. Green, up Julian Le Peru, five to two for Marty Wilson. Talk about a horse for a course. Six starts, all six of in the money. Going to stretch out from five and a half to seven furlongs. I do like that. And if you once you actually download your information, you go back in the complete PPs. Take a look at the Florida bred races. And this two-year-old colt by proud accolade is just doubly tough. Every time he faces the the, uh, the Florida breads, I think Mr. Green is going to pay some green, but it's not going to be a lot. If you get five to two, you'd be awfully, awfully lucky. But once again, as I said, I think Julian Le Peru is going to Florida, and he's going to tear them apart. Six race at Calder, seven panels, the Joe O'Farrell Juvenile Phillies. And here I like number seven. That is sweet lullaby. Luis Saez for Manny Tatora, going to go a mile and a 16th back to seven furlongs. Won his last race, and Manny Tatora off of the win in the last race is a 38% in the money person. I like that. Saez is winning 25% of the time. I, I have to like the, uh, the combo here. The last 60 days, they're winning 29% of the time, five to two. A sweet level by the seven in race number six at Calder. So that's one race I didn't pick Lay Peru now, isn't it? Seventh race is the beginning of the powerhouse pick four down at Calder. And we are a mile 16th on the turf, the Arthur Appleton Juvenile Turf. In here, I like the, the one and the nine. And here is my top pick in the race. I'm doing my pick four as I go along. I like the one, nine, and my foundation horse here is a three and that's family foundation julian lay proof for thomas proctor two-year-old gelding by reed priced and this is my best bet of the day take a look at that last race in the grade three bourbon down at keeneland over a yielding course incredible numbers there run against interactive i believe you heard that name on breeders cup day seventh race at calder family foundation seven to two is my bet of the day. I like the one, three, and the nine to kick off my pick four, though. Race number eight, six panels, the Jack Dudley sprint in here. I like the two and the six, but my top pick, when I say my top pick, that is the one where my main money to win goes on, and that is the eight, Pashito the Che, and it's Abarcoa for Scott Lake. And, and this is a real nice three-year-old cold here. Nine for ten in the money lifetime. And uh, it has been racing against some real toughies. And one by six lengths, one by a nose last time at Philadelphia. And had a very nice work on October 31st at Delaware. I see Scott Lake shipping in. And every time he ships in, he wins 22 percent of the time so my my power play in here is the eight pashito the che but i also like the two and the six in my pick three race number make that pick four race number nine at calder mile and a 16th the elmer hubeck distaff where are they getting these names i'm telling you i like the five and the nine in here but my power play my money play and where all my cabbage is going is on number six, Jessica is back. we got a nice speedy mare here, 
Julian Leprover, Marty Wolfson once again. If you've heard this once, you're going to hear it a few times on this day. Actually, 10 for 15 in the money at Calder. Made a middle move last time out. Actually was making a move and just kind of ran out of gas. And, you know, I, I think that is a real nice, uh, a real nice builder for this race here. As a, an open company runner, not just restricted to Florida breads, dropping into the Florida company should be a welcome, a wel- welcome, uh, you know, change of pace here. Beaten favorite last time out. Beaten favorite, Marty Wolfson comes back and wins 38% of the time. And since the last race, which would be second off of a layoff, which is a great angle, comes back and shoots a bullet. Run a beautiful middle move race. Ran out a little bit of a gas on November 9th. Goes four furlongs in 47-1. That is the ninth race at Calder. I like the six. Jessica is back. But for pick four, I like the five, six, and nine. Race number 10, we got the Bonnie Heath Turf Cup. In here, I got a single. I got a straight, straight single here in Calder's race number 10, and that is the 4-5 to five eight-horse soldiers dancer, Manny Cruz in the irons for David Vivian, 7 for 10 in the money at Calder. I really like that. Heavily bet last time out was 80 cents to a dollar. Wins by three at Philadelphia. Been all since September 19th, and I like that. Because 46 to 90 days away, and David Vivian comes back, and he's a 38% in the money man. So that's my key right there in my pick four, is the eight soldiers dancer. And then onward and upward we go. We take a look around, and what do we see at Churchill Downs? This is the toughest race, and it took me at least 20 minutes to actually come out with anything. The ninth race at Churchill Downs on Saturday, the grade two Miss Revere, a mile and 16th on the turf. I came out with a three, Miss World, who fits very well into this. Been running on some soft and good turf courses, but hopefully Mother Nature complies. And it is actually a nice, firm turf course here. Rajiv Mara, who's had a second, a win, a win, and last time out was a fourth race finish in the QE2, where Ha Cha Cha wins. Angled out in a mild gain last time for Christophe Clement. I think Rajiv Mara and Miss World, they win the Miss Revere in the ninth race at Churchill. On Saturday, so you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really, really sold on this guy. I mean, he, he's he's come along nicely. He he really has shown shown a balance in the saddle that I really, really liked. And then we're going to go out to the eighth race at Hollywood, seven and a half furlongs, the On Trust Handicap. It's seventy five thousand dollars, so it's nothing to sneeze at here. And in this race. I like the six, and that is Star Nicholas, Michael Bay's in the irons for Peter Uton, and. You know, nice little bit of, I'm not going to say horse for a course, but actually likes the oval. Eight starts at Hollywood Park, six of those in the money. But if you take a look at the cow company that this six-year-old gelding by Poteen has actually been running, Star Nicholas fits incredibly well. Michael Bays has been riding the entire time, and he knows this gelding very well. Third off of a layoff, the trainer is a 29% winner with that. And also, Michael Bays, I think, is, is pretty underrated. He's 33% in the money this year. And I think Star Nicholas might yield you a little better price than you expect. That is the eighth race at Hollywood on Saturday. Star Nicholas gets my star. I'm going to finish out with the ninth race at Hollywood. Six furlongs on the turf. It's a maiden special weight at Hollywood. Maiden special weight. You heard it right. I go to the, away to the outside of the nine Horowitz. Martin Garcia for Mike Mitchell, who is just a California terror, and he just tears them up. The dam of this runner is a state winner, and I like Horowitz to end out the ninth at Hollywood Park. 
Well, time flies when you're talking about thoroughbred racing. Winning ponies would like to thank this week's special guest, Mr. Tom Lamar, for taking his time to join us and you for tuning in. So until we meet again next week, may your winners be many, your photos be few. Good luck. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.